Abba Yahweh, again, given an opportunity to share your truth, your knowledge, and your wisdom, Father God, thank you for allowing me to breathe, walk this new day. Thank you, Father God, for that opportunity. For any out there that would hear what I say and testify to your gospel, that they listen and turn and seek you, Father, that they seek you and find you. Thank you, Father God, for the opportunity. Amen. So I'm going to share something really quick. I'm, I'm, I'm actually really agitated for some of these folks, but seeing the, the Phariseeism and the practice of judgmentalism and all these things that, that go on, and, and it's sad, these, these um, issues seem to be very strong in those that claim to be Christian. And the prejudicial attitudes and the judgmentalism that's poured out, it's identical to the way the Pharisees and the Sanhedrin treated our Lord Jesus. It saddens me. It does. It saddens me. So I bring that up because yesterday I had a, there was a very young man, a very decent, good young man. And uh, this prejudicial attitude came out because, um, and nothing was disclosed whether or not he was a Muslim, but I was chastised and corrected and told that he is the spawn of Satan because he quoted something from the Quran. Well, let me share this with you so that you know exactly where I am coming from and you have no doubt in your mind that this truth comes from God, our Father. And if you got a problem with that, then you take it up with him. Don't get issue here and try to... I didn't get angry with her, but I rebuked her and... Just quoted some scriptures. Well, here's the deal. I know individuals, my pastor, for example, he reads um, Greek and Latin, and um, he studies the languages. He shares the languages many times in the sermon that, that God's given him and the scriptures that he's sharing. Does that make him a Greek, a, a Roman, or uh, no, not at all. And I know some pastors and knew some pastors and they would study the Quran. They read the Quran. They didn't make them a Muslim. And here's the other thing too. Because a person is a Muslim does not mean that they are a terrorist or does not mean that they are a member of ISIS or a member of the Taliban or any of those things. It just means that that's there were just like there, you have Catholics and Baptists. And, yes, it is exactly that same thing, exactly that same way. Let's put it at this point of, point of view and go a different direction with it. Maybe you have a clearer understanding, maybe not. And that's okay, because to be rebuked, and, and I called the man, I liked what he said because it was full of peace, it was full of love, and it was full of, 
exactly what we're told that we should do by Jesus. And because I called him, I agreed with what he said, and I said, man, that's really good, brother. Good words, good truth. Oh, woman came unglued, was beside herself. The spawn of Satan. Oh, I'm like, oh my goodness gracious, really? Okay. So some of you out there may or may not have heard of the zealots, zealots, however you want to pronounce it, doesn't matter. They were a faction during the time that Rome was occupying Jerusalem and had occupied Israel. The governing body there, their preeminent governing body, and the zealots, zealots, whatever you want, however you want to call them, they were a faction. And they were willing to die and kill. That's the difference between, see, I, I would be willing if, if I have to die for my Lord's sake, that I would pray that I would have the strength and be able to do so. Because I'm telling you right now, if I'm not gone before the stuff starts getting really, really turned up, it's going to come in and you're going to see exactly what the prophecies in this Bible are about. It's already happening and I'm, I'm seeing this. But I want to be strong enough. But here's the thing. She was dissing, disrespecting me because I called him brother. And I agreed with the peaceful things he said. The zealots, zealots, however you want to say it, they were going to assassinate Romans and other individuals that belonged to Herod's court and all these the individuals that were not according to what Jewish laws proclaimed and they were contrary to what their ideal of being a follower was supposed to be. They were going to, uh, they were trained to assassinate. They were trained to kill. They were terrorists. They don't call them that. They call themselves zealots, zealots, whatever you want to call them. But they were terrorists. Nonetheless, because when they went in, they would, they would set fires, they would cause distractions, they would cause people to be stirred up and agitated, and then they would do whatever they were going to do. They were trained to do that. That's what they would do. And government officials, they would go after them. So how is that any different? It's not. My perception is that they are the same. But this woman's rebuke was purely because he had quoted something from the Quran. And that I was not allowed to call him brother and that he was a spawn of Satan. Wow. That's pretty potent. Like I said, I knew pastors that read the Quran. They don't teach in the Quran 
but it's a study guide for them so that they know and understand better. So that if somebody comes, that they can speak to them better. Speak with them and not to or at them, which becomes a point of contention. Brothers and sisters, we need to be very cautious in what we do. Yes, we do. You do not have the authority to usurp Lord God from his throne and decide who you are going to judge because that's exactly what was being done. Judging this person, not knowing this person, and judging me and not knowing me and telling me that I didn't have the right to call him my brother. Well, yeah, I do. And I pray for her as I pray for him and I pray for everyone. When I, when I pray, am I going out, am I coming in every day? I pray that she would repent and become a family member, truly a sister, because her belief and audacity that she has that authority over somebody else. And here's the other thing too. Is that the image of our Heavenly Father that we portray or that we are to portray. Remember in the Bible, it says, let us make man in our image. Doesn't mean that we look exactly like God and Jesus. The image of the Lord God is that we are, and what we are learning to be is more like Jesus, the only begotten son of God that came manifest is our Lord that manifest and came here. And remember that Jesus was the word from the beginning, in the beginning. And maybe I got to read this to y'all again or share it with you again. I don't mind. It's just right here in John. John 1, 1. In the beginning was the word. Whose word? Jesus Christ. And the word was with God and the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God. Now, what that does for me, when I read this, I get a visual image. I can't actually see, but when I close my eyes and I go into my mind's eye to see this beautiful place, <laughs> and I have an image of God and his word and his truth. It's powerful. The same was in the beginning with God. Where was the word? With God. The word was God. Why do you think that the word, Jesus, the truth, Jesus could stand in front of the Sanhedrin and say the things that he said and know the things that he knew because he was from the beginning 
and he is the truth, manifest to come here and sacrifice so that we would be able to be and become conformed to that image that we are meant to be, that image is of compassion and kindness and love, not shared by some, and that's unfortunate. So you you cannot claim to be one thing and demonstrate something else because that makes you a liar, it makes you a fool, and it makes you actually pretty despicable. So you claim to be these things, but yet you practice otherwise. You are practicing contrary. What does it say in the Bible about that? The deceivers, false doctrines, false teachings. And what does it say? They are liars. So here's the point that I'm making. We need to be conformed to that image that God made us to be. He made us with a free will choice. I choose to be that way because I choose to go to heaven and not spend my eternity in pain and anguish and separation, separated from my loved ones. I want to be with them. I want to be with my Lord. I want to, I want to be in heaven. I choose that. And the ideals that some people have on this, this plane of existence, they talk about, oh, how perfect everything is. Everything is not perfect. So sorry, I mean, you know, yeah, okay, you got a point of view and you want to, but brothers and sisters, there is truth and reality. And when you get caught up in things that are untrue, you get caught up in lies, you get caught up in deception. The truth is that we have a light that we are responsible to show out and guide with compassion and kindness and the love that God put into us. And we are responsible to share that. And knowing that things are not as they should be or the way God wanted them to be because of the free will choice and that man chose to fall, that man chose to follow Satan instead of the truth Instead of the light, they like it in darkness, prefer darkness. Brothers and sisters, that does make me a perfect individual because I'm saved. That makes me a perfected individual. And I like this. One of my, one of my mentors, I, I like this man because he admits, as any good pastor should do, and I, I have to make a point to to get and meet with him. But as any good pastor will do, and I love the fact that that my teacher, my shepherd, my prophet, my angel that goes where I go and and when he gets up to teach, I love the fact that he does the same thing. He admits to the weakness. He admits to the shortcomings. He he admits to his... uh, lack of strength and and abilities. The thing of it is that that there are a lot of preachers that will get up there and they don't preach. They lecture. There's a difference. 
There is a profound difference. I, I love the fact that this man ad- admitted to and and that we are being perfected and we are that begins when we accept that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God, that he came for our sake and came to save us, and that there is nothing perfect here on this plane of existence. And, and so many people use this um, vain term, Oh, that's just so perfect. Oh man, dinner is so perfect. Oh, that'd be a perfect timing. And, you know, they try to just have it. They use this word and it becomes so loosely formulated that it loses all strength. And this is the warning that we're given in the Bible when it talks about using the Lord's name in vain. That when we we diminish the authority of God on our own and we do so in our daily walk. So this is why I tell you, we have to practice and and Paul talks about it, we must practice and we must study the word to show ourselves approved. Who are we showing it to, to God? God, I am wanting to study your word. I'm seeking you, I find you. When I get in the word and I find your truth, I find your knowledge and I find your wisdom and you share it with me all the time. I pray that you do or that you would and you do. But we must practice this, brother and sister, just like we need to practice meditation. And then I have individuals that, wow, I don't know where they, some of the ideals that they come up with, that's it flabbergasts me actually. But when you talk about meditation, oh, I'm not into all that. And I've had somebody, how did somebody say, I'm not into all that spirituality stuff in there. I just, I just want to, I just go to church and I read the Bible. Oh, that's my sound effect of being appalled. Spirituality, but you just want to read the Bible, but you don't want to talk to God. You don't want to meditate on God in the Bible. The Bible tells us that we meditate on God. We meditate on his presence and the truth and the knowledge and the wisdom that that should be in our med- meditation. isn't all this, um, you know, and I knew some people that were Buddhists and they went and, and they were very dear friends of mine, very peaceful individuals, my brothers and sisters, whether you like it or not, that's what they were. And, but they had walked into this and, and they were had become that following. And I prayed, I still prayed for them every day. Remember to get in prayer for them and those individuals who do that. But you know, there when you meditate on God, all that means is that you get into a place where you can thoughtfully focus on him and not be distracted by these other. And it just means that you might, you may not pray out loud and you don't have to pray out loud. When Paul tells us to pray continually, where is it in first Thessalonians? I believe it is. I'm going to go. Um, we are reminded that we pray continuously, continually, and that we just do that all the time. And that we need to do that. And that we do so 
continually without ceasing and you don't have to throw yourself into a prayer posture to get that accomplished or to get that done. And we share that word and that time with God. And this is what God wants us to do. So we take the time to be with God. And I love that I saw that somewhere. I, where did I see that? Uh, can't remember, but I love it. Maybe it was on a t-shirt somewhere or one that I want. So anyway, it says, God takes time to listen to those that take time to pray. And I shared with you a number of times. I'm gonna share it with you again. God likes it when we pray to him and what he shared with John when John was island, on the island of Patmos and he was given a vision and the angel took him into the entry to God's temple. And in that vision, he saw these golden vials that God has kept on a shelf. Those golden vials are our prayers. Every prayer that we send to heaven to Father saves it and bottles and keeps it. What did I tell you? It is like a sweet savor to his nostrils. When he loosens the cap, the perfume comes out and it delights him. It's a delight to our Father that we take the time to pray to him. And when you take time to just get in a quiet place and sit and focus your thoughts and your minds on him, that's meditation. It doesn't take any special kind of chanting, any kind of little musical device that, you know, and, and you see this in so many, uh, brothers and sisters, all you have to do is focus your thought process. That's all you do. But here's the contrary issue. Satan loves to stir up controversy. Satan loves to take us away from that focus and he loves us to be agitated about all these things that go on and he loves us to not have the thought that we have brothers and sisters that we need to pray for, pray over, pray about, pray with and get off your judgmental high horse there, whoever you may be and if you're doing that thing then you need to step down and get out of that saddle because it doesn't belong to you. You are claiming an authority that is not yours to have. And lest I remind you, what did Jesus tell us when he was giving us the only authority that we do have, that the only authority that we have been given by our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, he who is above all, the name above all names, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God who came and died for us. We have the authority to step on the heads of serpents and scorpions and to face down the enemy himself. That authority we have. Nowhere in that scripture, nowhere in that passage you say, and since you have decided that you have become so perfected in your ways that you can usurp the authority and seat in the seat of judgment. 
Nowhere in the scripture do you find that. What it does instead, it tells you to judge not lest ye be judged. You do not have that authority to practice the judgmentalism that so many do and verbalize their disgust in other people's beliefs. The Bible does tell us that if we have these so-called individuals that we have decided to call friends and they continually do that which is not in line with what we are taught in the Bible and that they continually speak forwardly to the tenets of the Lord God and they practice continually in going and they want to keep drawing you into that then you need to cut that cord and let that millstone sink to the bottom of that dark pool. Doesn't mean that you stop praying that they could repent and you do that, but you just don't go and hang out with them anymore. And that stop using that term friend so loosely. People use that term friendship, perfection. Oh, everything is perfect. No, it's not. There's nothing perfect here. Things are broken. Things are dark. And true friends would not ask anything of you unless they actually need it. Remember, there's a difference between need and want. God knows what we need, and it's not always what we want. But he knows what we need. He provides what we need, and he provides it abundantly. See, people have this misconception when it says the scriptures in that, well, I'm not rich, but so-and-so's rich, and so-and-so's rich, and look at over there, and look at over there. That's because you're coveting something that doesn't belong to you. And they have made that their idol. They don't worship God. They don't believe in God. They just believe in their money and their possessions. And you idolize that? Careful. Careful on that misstep. careful in that misstep. And we tend to be like that. So on this plane of existence, because it is a broken plane of existence, a lot of beautiful things here, a lot of pretty things here, and God provides those things for us to look at and, and keep us distracted away from those other things. And I appreciate that. Thank you, Father. But there is a lot of that in this plane of existence. And why is that? That isn't, you know, and so many people get this doesn't surprise me because they follow the ideas that Satan keeps putting in their heads. This is why they don't want to read the book of Revelation. This is why they don't want to go into the book of the prophets because they talk about the, and I'm flicking my little air quotes up here. I hate those things. Um, doom and gloom. Those are the naysayers and those are the ones who are, hmm, let me say, oh yeah, I'm going to offend a whole bunch of people with this. Those are the lazy Christians. Oh yeah, that should offend a bunch. But that's okay because again, I'll share with you, I don't care. And again, I'll share that my validation comes from God Almighty and the Holy Spirit. And I speak truth from his truth and his knowledge and his wisdom. So those lazy individuals, that's what they are. When they do that and... And then they get into practicing that judgmentalism and get up there and all that. But what we need to do is we need to step back and practice prayer. Take time to pray. 
God takes time to listen to our prayers. The bullet prayers, if you need to do that. But those individuals that are in those positions where they have chosen to do be and do those things and be and walk that direction, pray for them. We need to pray that they would repent and turn around and that their eyes would be open, spiritual eyesight, get back into the word of God, dive into this thing and seek his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. This Bible that God had those individuals write, those men and women that wrote this, Ruth and Esther and some others that have shared in here, and we see all these books that were written, and he gave this to us. This is our roadmap, our guidebook, our instruction manual. And this thing was for the purpose of our being guided. And when we get in a place where we might be a little lost or distracted or unsure, then you pray. The Holy Spirit will take you. You open up this book, this guidebook, this roadmap. Wow. And Paul's writing to the church in Thessalonia. Thess Thessalonica? It's his second letter to the Thessalonians. Just read something right here that is very potent, very powerful. And it's a reminder. And we find this in 2 Thessalonians 1, verse 7. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's a pretty powerful statement right there, but what Paul is reminding us of is at the time when Jesus comes back, Jesus is coming as the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's coming as the king of kings, the mighty conquering king, Lord of lords. He who is above all, he is coming back. And remember on that day, when he comes back, and everyone sees the return of Jesus as he promised he would do, they will be forced to take a knee, and both knees many. As for myself, if I happen to be here, I'm gonna be doing those things because I'm compelled from the knowledge in my heart that I have that he is Lord of Lords and King of Kings, and he is my Redeemer and Savior. And if I'm blessed to be able to see that day. But there are going to be those who will be compelled to do so for another reason, because they didn't believe and they will be prodded perhaps 
or those that come will put them on their knees. This is the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who you decided that you would not follow and you instead decided that you wanted to follow and be a minion of Satan from hell. And that decision you made, you chose. Now you bow and you know the truth because you refuse the truth. You refuse to listen to the truth. You refuse to seek the truth. You chose instead lies, deceit. And you followed that white noise that Satan puts out there and the minions drive it in and you choose to believe the lies, the froward speech of teachers that will stand on the stage behind the podium and declare that the Bible was a mistake and that things in the Bible were done in error. Remember, there is only, there is no perfection on the face of this earth. So you and your fallibility and your finite mind have decided that God who created all things, even you, are able to correct the Bible that God had written. He is the author and the finisher and that these individuals penned for him that you are able to correct that and you are able to declare that God made a mistake when he wrote the Bible and you are going to rewrite it and you have individuals that claim to be God incarnate on earth that have decided that they are going to do that and have declared that because the Bible's too confusing. Don't find it that way at all. If you pray the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit, which is exactly what Jesus told us when he was getting ready to leave, He said, hey, it's going to be okay because when I go, I know that you all want to be with me and I know that you want me here and you want me to continue teaching. He said, but I have to go. I have to go. What I have come to do, it is finished. And now I need to go and get your residence ready. That's an additional part of my job or what I was directed. And I go now to prepare a place. And if it were not so, I would have told you so. But I'm not going to leave you in a lurch. I'm not going to leave you here wandering around in a daze and confused. I am going to seek the comforter to come in my stead. And the comforter will come, guide you and teach you. Brothers and sisters, what we don't see and have faith to believe is that God is with us all the time. Jesus is still with us all the time. He came and he did these things for us. And we are being perfected. I like to sometimes put the image in my head that I'm this fine gemstone that's being chiseled on, whittled on. And you know, when you take a rough diamond, you look at it, it 
quite honestly, it's just crystal. And when you see it in its natural state, when it comes out of the ground, there's nothing really fantastical about it. But if you have an eye, you'd be able to know what it is. And then you have the cutters that have the knowledge. They've learned that knowledge and they have become wise in their application of that knowledge. And they know how to exactly where to cut the stone. And if you don't know how to do that thing, you can absolutely destroy the value. God knows all the fissures and cuts and he chisels me to make me that perfect, beautiful gemstone to be in the collection and heir and a joint heir in the kingdom of heaven and that I will be able to be there. But every time that he whittles and chips and it allows that that is in the center to come out and shine outwardly, to show out what he has put in. That is what we are to do, not to sit on a throne of judgment. Remember in Luke, what did Jesus tell us before he gave us the authority? Remember, I saw Satan fall as lightning from heaven. I was there. I was there when it happened. I saw him go. And I saw the minions that decided that they were going to be disruptive. I saw them fall. But here now I tell you that you have that authority. And there are many slothful, lazy, resentful, actually they are, because they don't have all this stuff that they want to have. And they decide that somehow or another, God didn't give them enough. Remember when the, the Bible talks about the abundance of his giving to us and that everything he, he knows what our needs are. He even knows that we want things that are not our needs, but we tend to be the ones that get confused between need and want. God delivers always. And the 70 I'm reading in Luke 10, 17. And the 70 returned again with joy saying, Lord, even the devils are subject unto us through thy name. And he said unto them, gently rebuking them, I beheld Satan as lightning fall from heaven. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. What? Is, okay, this is an important part, and this is where the lazy, slothful Christians come in, and they just give up. They just sit back because they don't want to put on any of the armor. They don't want to be, they don't want to have to deal with things. They want God to deal with everything. They, they look at God as a Harry Potter character. In case you don't know who Harry Potter is, he's this little wizard kid. And everything that God does is about magic. Well, God doesn't perform magic tricks. 
and individuals want God to fix everything. And let me tell you something. I, there was a time when things were going on, and Satan loves for us to get that attitude is to look at that way, but that's not what God does. And it's not an easy lesson to learn. I mean, just trust me when I tell you that. Yeah, I know about that. But here's the thing. Over all the power of the enemy, that means that Satan does not have the authority and the ability to just come in and take anything that he decides he wants to. Here's the point, and I try to make this point to you often. If you let go of it and you don't fight for it, then of course he's going to take it. Oh, Satan took my joy today. I don't have joy. The devil came and took the joy. Oh, the, the minions came and they've taken my joy. They take my happiness. I'm not feeling very happy. Oh, we're a, we're a, we're a poor pitiful me. Well, yeah, poor pitiful you because you gave up. We are to put on the armor of God. He made it for us. And if you don't put it on and you don't stay in the spiritual fight, then what happens is that in your plane of existence that you're walking around in, those things that are taken away from you spiritually reflect in there. And then you're going to walk around with your head down. You're going to be moping and you're going to be sorrowful and your countenance is going to be whew, terrible because you won't smile about anything. You just, oh, poor pitiful me. I don't want to go out and do this. I don't want to go do that. I'm, I barely made it to church today because I didn't feel like coming. And why? Because you gave up. You surrendered what you had that God gave you instead of taking it and keeping it and holding it close like a prize. You gave it up. You gave it up. Let me read this to you again. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. Who is he talking about? He's talking about Satan, brothers and sisters. Jesus, our Lord, King of Kings, has given us that authority and we need to choose to pick it up and hold on to it. Those things that God gives, we need to hold close. Hold on to it like it means something to you. My grandkids, when I grab them and hug them, and I have an opportunity to, they live kind of a ways away and I don't see them as often. But when I grab them, I grab onto them and I squeeze them tightly. I haven't heard anything break yet. But I do that because I want them to know what I'm feeling. Brothers and sisters, when... I put my arms around others at church. I do like the Bible tells us to do. And there's some that get all whacked out about it. It's very strange. It tells us in the Bible that we are to greet one another with a holy kiss. I don't get all weird about it. I just give them a bus on the cheek and I hug them and I hold them tight. The Bible tells us that we're supposed to do that. And they get all weird out. Oh, that's just, that's just so weird. That's so weird. That's so weird. I said, well, the Bible tells us to do it. So when I see you again, get ready because I'm going to kiss you again. Brothers and sisters, the Bible tells us to do certain things and we need to hold that dear and near and dear to our hearts and hold it in close like it means something to us. But those lazy and slothful individuals. Let me continue reading here further in verse 19. And nothing shall by any means hurt you. Notwithstanding in this rejoice, not 
that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. You have your salvation and that's what you need to be happy in. Not that you're able to go and cast out all these things because Jesus rebuked him for that because he didn't want him to get caught up in self. And in that same hour, Jesus rejoiced in spirit and was talking to God. I thank thee, O Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that thou hast hid these things from the wise and prudent and have revealed them unto babes. Even so, Father, for so it seemed good in thy sight, your will. All things are delivered to me of my Father, and no man knoweth who the Son is but the Father. And who is the Father, and who the Father is but the Son, and he to whom the Son will reveal him. So talking about, we're talking about these individuals that were together from the beginning. Jesus was manifesting here. And he turned him to his disciples and said privately, blessed are the eyes which are the things that ye see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which ye see and have not seen and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard. Jesus is telling them that he is giving them authority already and he is given things to them that others do not. They want this knowledge and the wisdom, but they don't. Ah, thank you, Father. I love it when the, <laughs> when Paracletos says these things. So anyway, they want these things, they desire these things, but they don't seek these things. Remember, his truth, his knowledge, and his wisdom, and these things that he has to pour out onto us abundantly. And he never runs out in his resources. I share with you, I share with you again, when I go in and I collect this things to, to, to pull off, to share in these scriptures that I share, it's like going into this big reserve and I'm able to pull these things off and put them in a basket, carry them out and put them on, on my desk and, and be able to go to this. It's wonderful. And then as I look over my shoulder, I look back that that shelf that I just emptied is now, it's almost like an artesian well. I see these things are bubbling up out of nowhere and it fills the shelf again. It never runs out. God's abundance never runs out. He has more than enough. He has more than enough and he wishes to share it with us, but you have to seek that thing. And here we have, remember we have in Ephesians and uh, other sections of the Bible talks about the armor and that important thing that we have to put that on in, in our spiritual warfare. And uh, actually... And that's in Ephesians 
chapter 6. And we are reminded that we are in a spiritual warfare and that we don't, we're not wrestling against flesh and blood like I've shared with you before is that it's pretty pointless to get an army. It's pointless to argue with that woman who decided that, oh, you're not supposed to call him a brother. My goodness, gosh, he's a spawn of Satan. How are you calling him a brother? Because he quoted something out of the Quran. That makes him the spawn of Satan. Why? Because he shared something that was very beautiful and gentle and and he meant it to be calming and complimentary. And now he's a spawn of Satan and I can't call him a brother. And I can't share that brotherly love that God has put into me with anyone else except who conforms to what you decide. Eh, doesn't work that way. But I didn't argue with her. I didn't fight with her because it's pointless. She would just get louder and all that. And then I'd just have to completely walk away, which I did anyway. I, I said my point and I made it. It was truth and knowledge and wisdom that comes from the Bible and comes from God. Brothers and sisters, stop practicing judgmentalism. Stop being a Pharisee. Stop being a Pharisee and be a follower of the Lord God Almighty. Speak truth, speak knowledge, and speak wisdom. And here we see again, Paul writes to remind us, he did so in Ephesians, and he's reminding the church of the Thessalonians here. And he talks about the spiritual darkness. Actually, I think I'm going to go to uh, 1 Thessalonians and I'm going to read and share with you from 5, 4. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness that they should overtake you as a thief. That means that we have the light of the Holy Spirit and guiding us and that we can see there and that we don't let the minions come up on us and waylay us and... And if you're walking in that light, that they shouldn't just walk up and take everything from you. But if you sit there and then you you whine and cry and mope about not having joy or you don't feel like going to church because, oh, I just don't have the joy of the Lord because I let them take it from me. I was sitting over here and brothers and sisters, we've got to be up and at them all the time. But here he's talking about us walking in the light of the day, walking in the day with the Lord. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and the and love and for and helmet the hope of salvation, which is important, the hope of salvation and that we can hold on to all the time. Brothers and sisters, we need to be diligent in our prayers one for another and not to conform ourselves as it is the means to do as others do because we are peculiar people. We are called that and that's because we don't conform to everything that everybody else wants to do in the way that they want to do it. And we are called to be that. And some people have an odd way of showing that. But brothers and sisters, that's what we're called to do, to stand out. I I want to be able for people to say, wow, wow, what, what, 
something strange? Yeah. It's strange because you believe all this stuff. Well, of course I do. It's in the Bible. That's what God tells me. That's what's God is how God made me. And I used to have those. I I liked it when I was able to, when I was able to do, the work that I was doing, and they would come in and they would ask me, "Why do you treat us so different? The others are just they're so mean and so nasty. Why are you treat us so different? Because I am supposed to treat you that way." because my God tells me to do so. My Bible tells me that I treat you that way. And then they smile and they're so pleased and they're just so thankful and they thank me. But it's God in me. It is Emmanuel. And that's what we need to practice more and more and more and more and get stronger as the day comes because I'm telling you right now, I'm gonna see some of these individuals that I see wandering around and moping and crying and how easy everything was to take away, they're the ones who don't, dare I say, hold it close enough. I do not want these things and and Satan wants me to be upset. He wants me to be agitated about the things that are going on but you know what and and it is a it's a hurtful place and it's something that to be but I I hold my lord closer and dearer and the love and the things that he has given and shared with me I hold that closer it's a powerful thing and it's what I want in my life And what he has given to me, he has given me the opportunity to share his truth, knowledge, and wisdom. He gave me this. I've shared it with you before that that this podcasting that I'm doing, he thinks it's a good thing. He validates it, so he helped me find it. Helped me set it up. And it's all free. The others I was looking for were going to cost thousands of dollars. And I just... I boldly, humbly, wasn't arrogant in it. I just told him, I said, Father, this is to share your truth and your word with as many as I possibly can before you take me home. And if this is what you think is a good way to do it, then Father, you make it happen. Because I, I can't, I can't, I can't find it. I said, you make this happen. If you condone this to be a good way to share your truth with everyone that I possibly can. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. A little while later, I pulled open that computer page and right there on that page was something that wasn't there before. And I know that I didn't go somewhere else because I saw everything else that I was looking at beforehand there with that. And yet here's this little logo. Purple with a gold squiggly rope in it. That in and of itself, purple meaning royalty. And that gold rope is what has been described as that thing that is tied to our anger, to our anchor stone, to our anchor. And that is the Lord. And that when we find ourselves drifting away, that you grab onto that anchor line that, that is anchored to our hope. And we pull that and what does it do? It pulls us right in and through the word. Uh, 
God, thank you. Abba Yahweh. Abba Yahweh. Thank you, Father. Brothers and sisters, I pray over for on my going out in the day and my coming in in the day. Be cautious of the words you speak. Make sure that you speak life, love, truth, knowledge and wisdom that comes from God and seek that very same thing in his word. When you seek God, you will find God. When you seek truth, you will find truth. It's there. Doesn't make it hard. And if there's something that you find that you have difficulty in understanding, then you pray to the Holy Spirit, the Paracletos, that thing that God sent, that Jesus requested when he left the disciples to guide them and keep them. And remember, at the end of Luke, he tells them, he says, hey, wait in Jerusalem, wait here, don't take off and don't go out and use that term that I've thrown out there for you before, half cocked, when you go out all excited and agitated and you take off running and you want to get all involved in this and you're jumping up and down and all this, but then you have, you're at a loss when you get out in the middle of all this going on, you don't know scriptures, you don't know what to do. So excitement is good, but pray guidance, pray in all things, through all things, for all things, and he will provide the Holy Spirit and helps you, guides you, teaches. You get in the word and something is confusing to you, pray the Spirit, try the Spirit. John tells us to try the Spirit in all things and you will be guided to the right things. Brothers and sisters, you have a blessed day. You're in my prayers, my going out and coming in every day.